Sigmund Freud, a world-renowned psychologist and neurologist, stated that no boy can yet become a man until his father had died. A peer of Freud's, by the name of Carl Jung, agreed with Freud on one condition. He stated that, yes, Freud was true, but the death can also be a symbolic death. Hmm. That gets me really thinking about the relationship with me and my father, and how it came about, and how it ended. How you doing? My name is Armand Banks, and you're listening to the Something for Fathers podcast. messages to Dwayne. Dwayne is my father and I want to thank Dwayne for everything. Um, I really wouldn't be the man who I am today without him and that's on both ends of the spectrum. I wouldn't be the man who I am today with him either. I didn't meet my dad for the first time until I was well into my teenage years and it's not any fault to his and I'll get into that later on in the podcast but I do believe that he played a pivotal role in my life because he would always tell me this is after we met and we built up a relationship and well into my 20s he would tell me he say, man I'm proud of you I'm proud of you and I'm proud of you and I was like, why? Like, you know, what did I, I ain't accomplished nothing yet. But he would tell me that he's proud of me because I broke the cycle. And I didn't understand what that meant until I had a son myself. And when I had my, my son, our relationship, at least with my father, became estranged. It became toxic. It became one of those things that I just wasn't willing to deal with while trying to give my all to something that needed my all. Backtrack a little bit. Here's a story that is going to bring this whole theory of breaking the cycle full circle. I was about 12 years old and I was in middle school and I'm on my way home from middle school or whatever it may be and there was a Dairy Queen right across the street from the school. After school, kids can go over there before they catch their bus and, you know, buy something. And there was this homeless lady in the Dairy Queen. And she was in there and you knew she was homeless just because of the way the person at the counter treated her. The man, he was like, ma'am, you know, you can't be in here unless you're buying something. And you know that we have a, you know, no loitering policy, rather. And... In my head, I was thinking, I was like, well, you know, she looks hungry. Maybe we can just get her something and she can stay in because it was cold outside. So I ended up buying her a meal. And when I bought her the meal, she embraced me. She, you know, hugged me. And mind you, she didn't have the best hygiene at the moment. And given her circumstances, I can understand why. I believe that God puts situations in our lives for reasons and he tests us and test our character and see how you know 
<laughs> we're going to maneuver through a situation. And later on in life, you know, we may receive a blessing or we may be receive another lesson just because we weren't taught in that moment. But I'm going to fast forward a couple of years well into my teenage years when I meet my father for the first time. And it was an interesting time because at that age, I was like, me and my mother, we never had the conversation of where is my father. It was just an unwritten rule that we just didn't speak about it. And I didn't care to speak about it. I didn't even want to know. I lived my whole life without one. So I felt like I was going to just go through life without one. And granted, I had numerous of men and in my life that shaped it and mold shaped it shaped and molded my life as to the reason why I am the man that I am today but I really didn't get a grasp on that concept until my 30th year on this earth and when I did grasp that I realized that I just didn't give my dad enough credit for not having a dad and this is where the story beforehand ties back into my realization my dad takes me to go meet his mother one day and you know I never met her before and we are driving and this then the third and he was like yeah we're gonna go meet my mom she lives over here and I'm like all right cool let's, let's go meet her and we get there and look and I told you I never forget a face but I'm looking at this woman and I'm like yo I know you I can't quite figure out where I know you yet from but I know you and she looked at me and she was like oh my god and and I'm looking at her and I'm like oh snap you're the lady from the Dairy Queen that threw me for a loop because like I said God tests you in in moments of your life and whether or not you pass that test, I think determines how blessed you end up being. But when she embraced me in that moment, the second time it felt the same, it felt genuine and it felt loving. And it felt like she just, uh, had this vast amount of unconditional love for a person that she really didn't even know. All we knew that was that we were related and we kind of just kept that interaction at the dairy queen our secret and very few people know that story now a whole lot of people is going to know that story but I look back on that situation and as I'm older now I'm starting to question like yo why were you in that situation what happened now my dad's father was known as bear I don't know his first name. I know his last name was Moore, but I know everybody called him Bear. Bear was this hustler. If I wanted to put a image on him, I would put um, Malcolm X before the nation. That's what I would put him as. He was a hustler, you you know, gambler. He's um, He's in the streets, you know, with women and all these types of uh, transgressions that's going on in his life. And 
you know, while yet he has a wife and two kids at home, which was my dad and his sister. And I think back on the way he maneuvered in life. And all of these stories came from my dad as to who Bear was and other accounts from people who knew him when he was alive. Um, Bear died in a dice game. Um, he was shot in the head by a person, I guess, that he was shooting dice with. I don't know what the background story to that was. I just know that that's how he, you know, transitioned into the next phase of life. But my dad used to put Bear on this pedestal. And he would talk about him with such gleam in his eyes. And, you know, he would talk about him as if he was this 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 character of, you know, who he wanted to be like, in a sense. And I truly believe, based on how my dad lived his life, that he aspired to be like his father. The problem with aspiring to be like his father meant that he had to be an absent father. And I don't think he recognized that. And I don't think he understood that given the circumstances of him not having a child, but well into his adulthood, once he does know that he has a child in the, on this earth, it's kind of hard to change a person's way of living and maneuvering through life and me as his son when I first met him I never held it against him as to why he wasn't there I really didn't care I didn't I didn't even want to know why I didn't want to know my mother's side of the story I didn't want to know his side of the story I really never asked him I, I never asked him I, I just thought about how can we build a relationship moving forward because we've already lost a lot of time and we don't know how much time we have on this earth. So let's just take it from step one. How you doing? My name is Armand. Okay, cool. Your name is Dwayne. Let's move forward from there. And the more I learned about him, the more I noticed how much he unconsciously tried to live up to this mystic figure of Bear. I wanted to know why my grandmother was in the situation that she was in in regards to how she was living during the time I met her at Dairy Queen. And the more he talks about Bear, the more I realize who my grandmother was and who Bear was. My grandmother, Christine, they called her Sandy, and she was this country girl and she was soft spoken and she was full of life. But she had this um, innocence about herself. And Bear was the complete opposite of that. But Bear, at the moment, he was able to captivate her mind and, you know, get her to buy into him. And we as men, we have <laughs> this this superpower that allows us to do such. But for her, it was almost kind of like the wrong relationship at the right time. And when I say the right time, meaning that they created life together. And I am thankful for that. No matter how it happened, I'm thankful for it. But when Bear passed, he left um, Sandy to fend for herself, all while leaving her to deal with something that he created in regards to a woman who was addicted. And that plays a pivotal role, at least in my dad's life, because now he has to fend for himself. He has to go through life without a single male figure that he is supposed to model life behind. And I do think that that is one of the reasons why he would always say, you know, I'm proud of you 
and because you broke the cycle. Now, granted, I'm not saying that a man is off the hook by no means in regards to him raising and nurturing and molding a child that he created at no matter at what point that that child came into his life, whether it was from conception to, you know, the formative years or adolescence. When you find out it's on you to change your life to do better for that seed that you created, even if they're an adult. Hey, figure it out how to make the the relationship work. And granted, I do believe that my father tried to do that. Unfortunately, it was some ways about himself that just didn't fit right within my moral compass or my worldview. And to be honest with you, I'm a person who really values responsibility and accountability. You know, I, I feel like if you did something, own up to it. Or if you could have done more, realize that and be a man about that and say that. And that's where our, at least my dad and my relationship took a turn for the worse because a lot of the times he would talk about, you know, well, you know, I told your mom that I thought you were, you know, mine or this, that, and the third. And, you know, we're not going to get deep, too deep into the story. But in my head, I'm like, well, if you make a claim as strong as the one that my father made, it's up to that person to prove that. Now, the older I get, the more I realize the flaws of my mother. And I'm not saying that she was the type of woman to keep a child away from a man, but I do know my mother is very strong when it comes to her thoughts. And I am going to say that (laughs) she may have been a little bit hard to deal with, you know, but given the whole situation, I think that God uh, puts everything in our life at the perfect time. And I do believe when Dwayne came into my life, it was at the perfect time because I noticed that I really did need a solid masculine um, figure in my life. And in all honesty, I think that the lack of maturation within their relationship hindered me from getting that on a daily basis because they just were not able to coexist under the same room roof all day, every day in regards to um, being together. But I think Dwayne saw that and he did his best to keep a relationship with myself, even if it came at the cost of us really not meshing at times. He, definitely was patient with me and I would notice how we are so much alike in regards to just our worldview. Um, Dwayne is responsible for me having an identity as a black man and I give him 100% credit for that. Um, When he was in the house and when him and my mother were trying to make it work for the sake of me, he would talk to me about black history and what it's what it means to be a black man in America. And he would talk to me about the hurdles that I would face moving forward in life. He would talk to me about the history of what it's like to be an African first. And that is something that I've taken and I've run with. And that's something that's 
I'm going to instill in my son as what it's like to be a person of African descent. And I'm going to equip him with all the tools, all the tools and all the the tool sharpeners to navigate this life in America as a black man. I believe that my father is 100% responsible for that identity that I hold today. But as I got older, I started to realize a lot of the flaws that he had as a human being. I started to notice some of the substance abuse as well as some of the um, the womanizing. I started to notice um, some of the lack of consistency in regards to just who he is as a person. And I'll be the first to say that, man, it's not his fault. And if he ever listens to listen, it is not your fault. I would want you to know that you weren't given the tools needed to navigate this life from a from a from a standpoint of offense through life you had to learn how to play catch up and the reason why you had to learn how to play catch up is because you had to learn everything through experiences and the problem with learning things through experience is you got to mess up and while you're messing up you innately have to waste time he really wasn't given a blueprint of what a father would look like. Now, I do believe that that is one of the reasons why he's so proud of me is because he knows that I was in the same situation that he was in growing up, at least through, you know, the early to mid teenage years and definitely through the formative years. I believe that he saw the way that I navigated through life and he was like, man, I'm really proud that with all the cards against you, you didn't go down the path that my father went or you didn't go down the path that I went. And I wonder if that plays a role in why I'm so passionate about being a father to Malik. And I am definitely going to be honest with you guys and, and really say that I father from like a competitive level, like, and I'm competing against Dwayne and it's tough because I shouldn't really even be competing with him. And before I realized it, I figured that, yo, like this is, this could hurt Malik. You competing with the lack thereof of what your father was and why are you competing with him when he's actually proud that you are doing better than what he did? And I had to self check myself in that moment and assess like, why are you doing this? Do you really have some animosity towards him? Is there some unhidden feelings that you need to talk to him about? And I think there is, I think there is some healing that needs to go on. And as Jada would put it, you know, I think that, uh, we do need to have, you know, a couple more conversations before either one of us leaves this earth because it's paramount that I get an understanding as to why he never really reached his full potential. And I need to know that in order for me to really reach my full potential. That way I can not necessarily 
save my past ancestors from what they would call the belly of the whale. Um, there is a theory out there in psychology, and it states that you must go through life and accept a vast amount of experiences and challenges to shape who you are. And you must go through those and gain experience and gain strength and gain wisdom in order to push yourself to become the best form of your ancestors. And you are innately the consequence of their actions. And the more that you push yourself in this life, the more you reach your full potential, but yet you also bring out the full potential of who they were or who they should have been. And it's more so allowing you to open the door to your maximum potential. And no matter what, although the suffering is great, your capacity based on your experiences and your drive and your um, pushing of yourself to the limit and to the edge is way stronger than the suffering of reaching your maximum potential. And that innately does a pure service to the people who came before you. And I think in regards to fatherhood, I definitely saved my father from the belly of the whale. I saved his father from the belly of the whale. And I hope that Malik can one day save me from the belly of the whale in regards to whatever potential that I didn't get out of my life. And I talk about this all the time and I tell my friends, I want to leave this earth empty. Like, I don't want to go back to God with an ounce of potential left in me because I feel like that's doing a disservice to the days that he allowed me here on earth. I do believe that my father has definitely motivated me in regards to continuous search for keeping this cycle that he would call it broken. Um, No matter how much me and my wife would get into an argument, I know that I need to take responsibility and fix that. No matter how much me and my son disagree later on in life or some things that I might drop the ball on as a parent, I know that I need to take responsibility and fix that. And it's no more about competing with Dwayne. It's more so about reaching my maximum potential. That way I can be the best form of who my previous ancestors was supposed to be. I thank Dwayne for one, you know, giving me life and I'll never be able to repay him for that. I hope one day that he listens to this and understand that I myself have grown in life to understand the struggles of what it's like to have to navigate this life without someone there. And I too understand his plight. I, I see it now. It's, it's not one of those things that blinds my vision now because I didn't have the gall or the wherewithal to ask you why 
didn't you know how to be the father that I needed you to be? And (laughs) I know now it's because you didn't have the father that you needed to teach you. And, And this is not a blame on Bear because nobody is here to speak for him in regards to who taught him. I don't even know who his father was, but I'm thankful for Dwayne seeing the situation from the perspective that he had and stating to me that, yo, I'm proud of you. You broke the cycle. And those words have given me so much life. And it now makes me look at my son a completely different way because now he gets to start life from a new cycle. He gets to start life from a new norm. And, you know, at least with the lineage of my grandfather and my dad and now me and now my son, there is a a shift, a paradigm shift in our genealogy that will allow the future of our lineage to now play life from an offensive perspective. We don't have to play life from a defensive perspective no more. We don't have to play life from a wondering where dad is or a wondering where um, our next piece of guidance is going to come from. And that I owe that to my father. I owe that to him in regards to him making me aware that you now have a responsibility to continue to break the cycle of the men in our family. So, again, like I said, as men, we definitely need to allow space in our lives to understand the men who have come before us because it's a hard, hard task. And I'm not saying that, you know, the lack of responsibility is off the hook. I'm not saying that the lack of accountability is off the hook, but dumb decisions <laughs> are definitely more motivated by dumb circumstances than they are just dumb personalities. I do believe that my father was just in a dumb circumstance and that motivated a lot of the decisions in his life. And I think that his father was in a dumb circumstance and that motivated a lot of decisions in his life. And we need to be empathetic to those because if we're not, we're going to just travel through life with a lot of baggage We're going to travel through life with a lot of hurt and pain. And what's going to happen is when the people who come before us are no longer here, we won't be able to seek the guidance and help from them to allow us to heal properly. That way we can pour into the next generation the way that they need to be poured into. So you guys are really getting an honest perspective and a transparent look at least into my life and I if you know me you know I'm an open book Um, but I definitely want my father to understand that I understand so thank you guys for listening to another edition of the something for fathers podcast I hope this helps somebody out there today to at least be a little bit more empathetic to their father that way you don't hold any baggage while you're trying to be a father So I appreciate you guys again, and I look forward to talking to you all again soon. Have a good one.